0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. What is up, Night Nation? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. I'm finally back after being on the DL for two weeks with a back operation. I'm feeling. Uh, well, better. Um, one day at a time, you know, um, you know, I got I put as, as, as at least I can sit up, you know, I mean, <laughs> you're moving, you're moving. I'm mo- yeah, I'm moving and shaking. And, you know, it feels it feels good. It feels good to be back. How
1: are you, Eric? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's good to see you again. This is like an old school feel here with the two of us. Here. Yeah, it's, it's, like back, it's like back in the day. And it's fitting. It's signing yeah, it's day. Like, it's in like
0: the Yeah. We're the original, the original band doing an acoustic set. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, all right. Busy, busy show. We've got early signing period, 15 new guys coming to UCF football. We're going to break that down. Hoops. First conference game last night in Philadelphia. They kind of had a conference preview week in the American UCF gets a win over Temple on the road. It wasn't pretty but it didn't have to be because the defense was amazing. We'll, we'll, ta- we'll talk about that. And uh, we'll re- and uh, also women's basketball continues to roll with their big road trip. They got a big win over Seton Hall that really ticked off the Pirates head coach. We'll talk about that. Um, and some other things, too. We talked about McKenna Melville, earning uh, third-team All-American, first-team academic All-American for volleyball. Lots to lots talk about. But, but we know why you're here, all right? And it's because we want to talk about uh, the uh, signing day. Early signing day, um, I think we can conclude as a success for you. UC- well, I mean, we don't know how successful it's going to be until four years from now, obviously. But um, here's the here's the breakdown. 15 guys, 10 of them from the state of Florida, four from Georgia, one from Texas. Um, Gus Malzahn got his quarterback, Thomas Castellanos, from Ware County in Waycross, Georgia, who went down in Southeast Georgia, a guy he's had an eye on for a long time and has really kind of taken on the role of the, um, I guess, sort of the – the, the spokesperson for this class, Eric. Um, and they surrounded him with some some young weapons, including um, Tyler Griffin, who's a six foot five inch tall wide receiver, uh, Kwan Lee out of Buholtz High School in Gainesville, uh, Jordan McDonald, uh, Stevens Grant, big six4 tight end, Xavier Townsend, who's kind of from Berkeley Prep in Tampa, who's kind of like a Swiss Army knife type, but UCF is listing him as a wide receiver and a couple of offensive linemen. So I want to talk about the offense first. We'll get to the defense in a second. But let's let's talk about this offense, Eric, because I think this, to me, and I wrote about this on the site, this was uh, Gus Malzahn putting his firm stamp on this program with this group, don't you think?
1: Not only that, I would go a step further. I think for the first time ever in the Division One era, UCF has a legitimate great recruiter in Gus Malzahn. And that's, it. it, it, I, I listened to him on Wednesday talking about this class, talking about these players. I don't know if how much you were able to watch it, but you could just sense in his voice that he loves recruiting. He talks about each player. He talks about the NFL talent, quote unquote, that he has brought in. In each role, I think he mentioned compared Xavier Townsend to Peyton Barber. I believe. I mean, the guy loves recruiting. He has a plan. You mentioned the ten kids with Florida, but he just has a plan. I don't think UCF's ever had somebody like this. George O'Leary was more of a developer. He did not like recruiting. Uh, he didn't really care for the the, the whole process. He just kind of wanted to develop players. Scott Frost wasn't here long enough uh, to know if he was a great recruiter or not. I think he benefited in retrospect and getting talented players. Cause he wasn't George O'Leary. He
0: got, he got two real, he, he, for us to his credit, did get two really good classes, but you're right. I didn't, th- I, you know, I, we, we did not enough data.
1: Right. And then Josh, I don't think it's been proven to was not, a, did a great job here recruiting while he was here. Gus does. Uh, and it shows here on the offensive end and, uh, and, and kind of the way he's just, you know, processed this. I mean, he's got immediate impact players, uh, and the way he relates to the high school players, he's, you could tell he's in control. I thought it was impressive. You know, I look for signs of certain things. You didn't sense any players opting, flipping, you know, you know, a ton of players flipping or anything like that. Certainly we didn't have a player in this roster, both and get, he didn't get stooped for a guy who's going to Jackson state like the other clown in Tallahassee. So I, I think this is to me, that's my biggest takeaway because look, you and I have talked about this for years. You've written about this, right? The, the rankings are what they are. We don't know who's going to be good at, at in the three or four years.
0: I hate the rankings. I understand. Anyway.
1: But, but I think you have to acknowledge, Jeffrey, that with Gus, you have to feel really good about the talent upgrade from a recruiting standpoint. I think there's there's more room for error with this class, especially as we you get into in the offensive end, than say past classes for various reasons. I think Gus is a l- elite recruiter. And let's be real, people are excited about this program going to the Big 12. And I think that's helping.
0: Yeah. Kyle Nash has joined us here on the show. Kyle, what's up, dude? We're talking about um Gus Malzon and 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 pulling in this recruiting class. Um, you know, you've been following this program and seeing what they need. And yeah, I we want I want to know what you think about this because I think you follow this really really tightly is you know like Eric and I were talking about this is this is Gus's big stamp on the program now right what's what was your big impression coming out of yesterday with these 15 guys that UCF pulled in
2: I mean, for my money, listen, pardon my bias. You know, you've seen the painting over my head before, you know, with uh, the Aaron Evans original with me playing O-line. I love that he's got two big men coming in to handle some business and get some more protection in here. Over the past few years, the thing that is not talked about with Mackenzie Milton versus his predecessors is since then two NFL caliber linemen, my linemen meaning they both made rosters, left the program. I, uh, Dylan Gabriel did have um, Wyatt Miller for a year. Um, but no one else since has been an NFL caliber guy. Like I I like Sam Jackson. I don't think he makes an NFL roster. You know, uh, that's, I think that that part that he's addressing it up front that he's boasting as well, as coaches usually do uh, recruits with NFL caliber talent. If you really, if, if these two old linemen that he's brought in are those kind of guys welcome to a better life for anybody behind center.
0: Uh, Tylen Grable, Gordon, Georgia, Wilkinson County, transferred over from Jacksonville State, 6'7", 290. And then Caden Kittler, 6'3", 295 from Plano, Texas, the only non-Georgia, non-Florida player on the, uh, on, on the slate, uh, are the two guys you're talking I See, I, I was interested by it because Eric and I were just talking about, like, you know, he really loaded up on the skill guys to surround Thomas Castellanos with a group of young um, skill position players. Let me ask you this on the offensive side. What do you what else do you want to see them fill in here? Because there's still obviously some thoughts about, you know, do you dive into the transfer portal to fill some holes? What are those holes that need filling?
2: A wide receiver, absolutely, and I forgot to mention he also did add a tight end, which
0: which which gets me right. excited.
2: Like I don't, I'm recruiting isn't my strength. I don't know the players well, but I do know
1: what. That's enough.
0: okay. You're you're not alone. <laughs> apparently, don't worry, Kyle. You know him better
1: you're than right. Mike Norvell. You know him better than Mike Norvell apparently does. Oh State.
0: hey, listen, I you know Eric never misses an opportunity to rag on Mike Norvell. It's you great. lose I a kid him. to Jackson State for crying out. He didn't out lose alive. a kid to Jackson State. He lost a kid to Deion Sanders. Thank
2: that's, you, Jeff.
0: Yeah, that's not good.
1: And he also lost. His- Marvin Jones, Jr., the kid, the son of Marvin Jones, the great linebacker of Florida State, to mm-hmm. Georgia. I mean, I don't even get, I mean, what a debacle. That's, let's
0: listen, it, but Florida State is Florida State, whatever. Go ahead, But God. it shows,
1: we, it's why we're confident in Gus, though. We're, none of that nonsense. Heck, Gus flipped Jordan McDonald from Iowa State to UCF. We're That's flipping, right. we're getting people to flip to us.
2: And long distance away too, I might add. There, Eric, and, and in particular. Yeah. And, and by the way, really quick, Eric, I, I appreciate your disdain for Mike Norvell, but hasn't the UCF community done enough to that poor man? <laughs> You've been there for all these amazing comebacks. I mean, how, he kind of,
0: I mean, he didn't help himself. I mean, it's the same. We're guy. over here. T- we're oh, Kyle. God. We're over here telling the Florida State people, "We told you so." <laughs> we told you so. Anyway, you know.
2: Um. No, but, but uh, yeah, uh, as far as the skill position players and people that should come in offensively for the portal, portal for me in one shot, I mean, it'd be great if you get the veteran quarterback. I mean, I, I say it as something that should go without saying. You know, if you can get a veteran guy that can do at the very least teach um, and, and at the very, you know, and, and can if you're looking for a single year starter, I think that's unlikely because anybody's on the portal as a quarterback is there because of baggage or because they weren't found yet either way you're rolling the dice right not everybody's going to be joe burrow ladies and gentlemen but um on a practical level it's definitely the wide receiver position right i mean with the part of it is mikey Keane being young the other part is these cats are not getting separation like we used to see at times you know yeah but is right. that
0: is that the re but what's the reason for that though is 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 that is it because those guys aren't getting separation or are I thought it was because, you know, when, Di- when, when Dylan went down, you handed the keys to it, to a freshman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And God bless Mikey Keene really improved over the course of the season, especially in the last five games. And I've, and I've talked about that and showed the numbers on Twitter, but it was very obvious that the, that the offense was limited because they were only going to do what he was comfortable with. Sure. And he wasn't really that comfortable with going downfield. Right. So, i don't know if i don't know if that's entirely the receiver's fault is
2: it Oh no 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 i'm not saying that that is the main thing i'm saying it is a factor listen my my dad ray he rest in peace one of the best lessons he taught me was rarely our problems one thing and one thing only i think that's part of it and again look at all the talent that's been lost to the nfl and the wide receivers part right marlon Williams. I, I i could go down the list marlon Williams, and otis anderson unfortunately another ray, may he rest in peace jacob paris uh, you know, yeah. um, Gabe Davis, and there's more before that.
0: Going you know? back to Traquan, right? Yeah,
2: so. and then and you going back that far, that tight end spot with Kubz, uh and
0: Jordan Aiken. Uh,
2: Jordan Aiken, yeah, I, I always yep. get the Jordans mixed up, but I mean that's <laughs> that's how much time to, uh, uh, talent has been lost on the outside of the hashes.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball too, because I think that this was really interesting. I I, I thought that these guys were really um when you look at them you now know the philosophy that that um that that UCF wants on defense right now so two big defensive ends on the outside who are just straight pass rushers all right KT Thompson 6-3 out of Lakeland and uh I'm looking for him on the list and for some reason it's not it's not listed by uh by position but uh, oh yeah Jamal Johnson six uh, two out of Miramar Shamanad, Madonna um, two athletic linebackers and three just playmakers in the secondary uh, including the including the Henderson twins Damari and Jakari out of Seminole High School in Sanford which was um, which was really big um, uh, and cam Moore I think is another guy he's another Seminole high school kid 6'2, two205 linebacker I mean that's a that's a big dude I mean no, no more listen. God bless guys like Nate Evans, right? I mean, who we all loved. But Nate's, uh, g- g- Nate was kind of the prototypical UCF American Athletic Conference era linebacker where he was 5'11 and would just destroy everything in sight. But he was undersized, right? That was the one knock on him, all right? These dudes are big
3: mm-hmm. that
0: Gus is bringing in. Just this, the, the, the front seven guys are big, and the – And and the and the secondary guys are just all around playmakers and athletes. It's really really something to watch, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely! Listen, if you got guys of size that can move like the predecessors, welcome to the world with Gus Malzahn as your recruiter, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, it's that I think that thing that you observed right there, Jeff, is the reason that you have a class that's the highest ranked. Even though I don't really buy the stars in the ranking crap, I mean that's all. Me neither. But yeah. <laughs> Look, Eric, did you see how quickly he hurled himself on that? Uh, I know. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> but, um, but I, I, well, I don't put much stock in. I'm the not going to turn him down though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much stuff as stock as the three of us don't put in those rankings. Um, that size, something that's very easy, very measurable, something that somebody who's writing about those rankings for recruited players and such is the yeah. difference for that skyrocket in the ranking of the class, this being the top rated class of all time, if I remember correctly. Um, and that's why
1: I think there's more room for error. Like, there, like I said, we all know there's not, not everybody's gonna pan out here, sure, sure. all right? There's gonna be surprises in this class. However, I do buy into the, I think there's more room for error with this class than there's ever been with any other class. Uh, and I think that's exciting. I think the size you mentioned, Kyle, with this defense, the athleticism to fit into the system, and Gus even mentioned in his press conference depth. You're building depth here, and that's yeah, what yeah. to me, that's what the uh, signing day still is about. Is you're about building depth because as far as the immediate fixes, I think a lot of coaches are going to use the portal for that. But Gus is a believer in the in recruiting and bringing in the high school guys for depth. He was a high school coach. He brings that up, and I think on the defensive side, you're that's where they're going to pay off. This team has not had depth the last few years, and I think this class will hopefully accomplish depth and, and not only for next season, but when you get into the big 12, where you're definitely going to need depth.
0: Now, yeah. Uh, let me start with you, Eric, on this. And then I'll go to you, Kyle, Eric, which player out of this group are we going to hear from the earliest
1: on both sides of the ball? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a biased offensive guy. I think you look at a Xavier Townsend. And probably Jordan Thompson, two, you know, athletic guy. I think they're going to make immediate impact because they're, they're the type of all-purpose players. They could probably line up at out They could line up at running back. Uh, playmakers are going to be used. Jordan uh, McDonald, you mean? Jordan McDonald. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. It's early uh, Jordan.
0: Jordan Thompson, your volleyball thing. Like... I'm
1: already in volleyball mode. But no, look, I uh, I think that's, to me, the two guys on the offensive end that, to me, are the names that I will be keeping an eye on very closely. And then the defensive side, I'm curious how the Henderson Twins uh and Cam Moore, do they get I think they have a, obviously there's there's more opportunities I think on the defensive side likely to make it an immediate impact than say on the skill position offensively, but you never know. Kyle.
2: You know, uh, I'm Townsend would have been my pick too. Any and any of the running backs in this class I'm going to be curious about hearing their name first um simply because the fingers crossed. Even if Isaiah Bowser comes back, right? Um, you 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 see how willing Coach Gus is to to use that committee system to to run the football, right? And then you know, again, I'd hate to piggyback off of uh, Eric, but you know, the Twins is very fascinating on defense. And 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 as Coach T. Will put, put it very interestingly on Twitter, the last time. UCF had twins on defense was a very interesting undertaking, was it not? You know,
0: yeah, the Griffin boys yeah, that, that, worked that worked out, out well. that worked out pretty good. That worked out pretty good. You know, who I can't wait to see out there? Who's P. that? T.J. Bullard, uh, By yes. Hatton, Berkeley prep, uh, Titus O'Neal's kid, Titus O'Neill's son. Yeah,
2: and and you know, Jeff, I got to give you credit like over the years watching UCF football, long before I even was was uh, credentialed to cover anything college football, you know, when I was still a fan, you know, with my buddy. And And long before my times at the Bannerette, I always kind of observed the linebacker spot as more kind of the air quotes traditionally weaker or at least good group, and that size differential, I think is part of it now granted if your if your style of defense is to 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 focus on speed, sure, okay, but I think again, I don't know if it's recruiting and you're able to get the fast guys that are also big because it's you know. Gus Malzon, or there's a difference in philosophy and he's looking for, for more bruiser guys and is kind of putting seat on the back uh, speed on the back burner, which I doubt it with football, the way it is this day and age. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to see.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think you're right about that. I, 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 it's, I, am you know, you know, me, I'm very cautious about getting too excited about, recruits, <laughs> right. I mean, it's because Well, I mean, for two reasons. Number one, everyone always like, oh, look at how great this class is. I'm like, you don't know how great this class is. Correct. And we're not going to know until three, four, even five years from now, which is why I evaluate them going back. But also, I don't think it's fair to the kids to put so much pressure on them, having not yet enrolled in college, (laughs) right? Um, To be like, you're the savior, you know, and it's like, let them can you can we please let them just register for their classes in peace and get settled in like it's it's hard being a freshman right I think we all remember our freshman years of college and yeah, how it's, difficult it's it was
1: I, I don't think there's gonna be that now much. now
0: imagine being a football player on top of that which none of us were <laughs> I think it's gonna it's a different world now though
1: because you have the transfer portal so that's gonna probably gobble up more attention moving
0: forward so and it's, it's, a, it's like it's like free agency and then recruiting is like yeah. the draft
1: yeah so you know? like like thomas castellanos i'm not convinced it's gonna start the season in fact i'm not sure he'll take snaps this year uh depending on how the transfer portal plays out so that's uh, my last
0: question for you so bear that in mind but go ahead
1: so i i think we gotta you know i think it's a different world it's a year to year uh the thing that i will tell you this though because it's valid to say you know be you know be kind of cautious on the players You've got a football coach that knows the game of recruiting. He you, he's got it in his voice, and I think that's very important. And I think that's one of the reasons why Terry Mahajer brought him in here, because if you're going into the Big Twelve, you need somebody that knows what they're doing, and you look, especially now in this state with so Mario. The
0: guys didn't know what they were doing, but okay.
1: No, I don't think I don't <laughs> think they did. George did. And George would not have excelled in this era at all, at all. Fair. He, a, he, he just would not have he just would not have handled the transfer portal none of this stuff well Gus does you can sense it in his voice I don't think Scott Frost I think Scott's kind of proven in Nebraska yeah he's not the biggest fan of recruiting and you know it's not as easy for him uh but you look at this state now with Mario Cristobal who I think is going to clean up at Miami I think he's going to be the top he's one of the top recruiters in the country Billy Napier at Florida Despite the earlier debacles that I've mentioned about Mike Norvell, he still get players in this state. You're gonna. There's so much talent uh, that you're going to have players. But in Gus's case, he knows how to, and he knows what it takes to have the right players when you're playing in a major conference like UCF's about to move to in the Big Twelve.
0: Last question. I want this to be rapid fire. All right. Um, who is going to start at quarterback? for UCF on opening night in 2022? Is it going to be Mikey King? Is it going to be Thomas Castellanos? Or is it going to be someone who's not on the roster? Eric, or, or Kyle, you first. R- rapid fire.
2: Yeah, uh, someone who's not on the roster.
0: Okay, Eric? Someone not on the roster. Give me a name. Bo knows. Huh. <laughs> oh! That is the smart money right now. I mean, I, Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, there were all those reports out of Auburn that – like that it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the problem, but it was a symptom of the problem that like the controversy about like starting Bo Nick's early was kind of one of the things that was like a real point of contention between the boosters and Gus when he was there. And, but, but apparently, you know, Gus's relationship with Bo was just fine because if, if Bo is out there saying, you know something, I think I might want to run it back with coach Malzahn again you know, that tells me that, you know, you know, maybe the situation there was, you know, Gus was like, Hey, Bo's a really good player, but I just don't think he's quite ready yet. Now he must feel he's ready to, he's ready to step in and he's got two years of eligibility. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of other guys that are out there, but. There's um, no
1: guarantees. He comes back. Cincinnati supposedly is interested in him. We'll we'll see what he decides. Cincinnati's. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean that, but you know, so we'll see what happens, but I look, I think this quarterback room needs a veteran. And the odds are, what I would say, even if it's not Bo Nix, they're probably going to bring in somebody that's got starting experience and a veteran mm-hmm. uh, to this room. You have to just because, y- y- as you know, the quarterback position could be very volatile. You could you're one play away from being, you know, the next guy stepping in. So I think to me the easy bet is the guy
0: that's coming in. What about you, Kyle? What do you think?
2: No, I mean again Eric with the thunder bringing the Bo Nix answer that's good there too. Um the the Indiana quarterback being taken off the table and I, as I understand it there's still the Ohio State quarterback chirping in the background there somewhere in the transfer portal. One can't No, he went him.
1: to Texas. He's going to Texas. He? Texas. Okay, okay I didn't They okay. found they found the bag for him too,
2: you know. <him>. You know, welcome to the NIL, which, by the way, to to quickly go back to your previous point about, you know, can can freshmen just be freshmen and and not have so much pressure on them? Hey, listen, the NIL encourages the opposite to happen. Keep that in mind. Yeah. but um, as, as far as that, I mean, I don't, there's not anybody that really jumps off the page for me, but how can they? Cause if they did, they wouldn't. Well, it's too early.
1: it's, too early. Heck, it's UCF, still early. It's still early. Heck, UCF next yeah. week. Heck UCF likely is going to be facing a quarterback next week. That's going to enter his name into the portal. <laughs> <laughs> and Still playing Emory Jones.
0: Uh, who knows? Yeah. You were talking about Quinn Ewers. Uh, the, the, but I mean, there I mean, a couple of names out there. Well, um keaton slovis from sc is out there obviously bo Nix, miles brennan from lsu zach calzada who i know we're in our chat you you i, I think you really liked him didn't you eric calzada out of uh,
1: uh no drew likes calzada oh, no, drew more. Likes him. Okay, the yeah, problem right. i i'm with you though jeff you and i talked about Hey, adrian you...
0: martinez is out there too yeah, i'm just saying
1: i'd rather have taylor martinez which i've been <laughs> i guess i've made very clear uh, accidentally though in in previous audio formats on this, uh, on the umbrella of Banneret. The reason why I think Bo Nix is the most realistic of that group is he has a relationship with the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's the best guy and I'll say this, if Bo Nix is in the American conference, maybe a better quarterback in the league, maybe more, maybe Mordecai it's SMU if he returns, but outside of that, who do you take over a Bo Nix in the American and I think we got to remember, if you get an SEC starting quarterback to come to the American, that's an upgrade uh, to me. If, that would be the home run higher there, a uh, move if they get there. Calzada is pretty good, too. I just we will see if that plays out. And then who knows who else? Who else? I mean, Emory Jones is going to be trying to maybe, maybe Emory Jones feels like he wants to come to UCF. He wants to prove
0: a if, point next that's, week. That's yes, right. right? Emory, jo- Emory Jones announced he's going to, although that was kind of unusual that he said that he announced he was going to was in the portal, but he's going to start the bowl game. Very odd, you know, they usually I, don't see I've that. never seen that before. Usually it's like you know, hey, I'm in the portal, it's like you're gone.
2: Maybe, you know? but in again, in in the in the in the uh era of the NIL and the transfer portal portal, gentlemen, what better resume is there than to light it up in a bowl game? How many guys have only played bowl games right. for, Good point. Is their draft scout them
0: up? Scout them up. Good point. Basically, it's an audition, correct? So okay, yeah. interesting. Hey. Lots to talk about. We'll be following it. Uh, and uh, do you think we'll get a, one question I got from um, from one of the from a fan on Twitter? Uh, do you think we'll see a couple more guys on the traditional signing day in February? Or are we just like, eh?
2: I think so. Um, okay. For cats that were weighing options, um, you know, that, that 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 weren't sure yet for those that existed. Um, there'll be a few. Um, I've, there's still a number of spots to fill, so the, I th- the,
1: the challenge is going to be. You got a guy like Billy Napier, who fascinatingly has basically ignored every Dan Mullen recruit, basically, and he and he said this in his press conference. He's like, "I'm not going to commit. You know, I'm not going to marry a woman I've never met." <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, that was his line. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and there's been some speculation that maybe Napier has been able to convince a couple linemen to flip. So, uh, it's going to be hard you know could they get a yeah. kit maybe I, by February but I
0: be, think I I got a funny feeling we're going to start seeing the coaches demand some changes to the calendar to this oh yeah well either, Gus even... either get rid of it or move it I think you should have it in like August
1: Gus you know? mentioned January I think you're going to get a January or February as far as signing
0: day moved to I think but, so, gonna... but signing day is in February like no, not
1: really every like i mean you're early signing signed.
0: it's a question of, do you have an early signing period some other time or, or i think no early signing period i at think
1: all? you're gonna have eventually just one signing day and it's gonna be in january or february should have stayed like the way it was clearly december's too early coaches are leaving i mean heck i mean coaches are accepting jobs on signing day uh <laughs> it's absurd
2: well, gentlemen, also consider this is something that I think is a big problem in and of itself, too. Right. Like you want the bowl games to be the pageant, pageantry and events that they are. But meanwhile, I'm sitting in the press conference. Eric
1: doesn't. But anyway,
2: well, <laughs> you know, it,
1: it, no, it is a distraction to your point. Like it, the, you're the, right. You're the right. Beauty it, it, by having signing day in February, it was an, an excuse to talk college football in in February. Now you're throwing this in there in December where there's already should be enough conversation. Yeah. It distracts from the bowl games. It distracts from the playoff. It's idiotic. Well, at really? well, this sport? it's idiotic.
2: And at this point, those teams that make the lower tier bowls and want to build their program are now distracted because they are addressing the bowl. They were asked to come into in the
0: first place. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that's I mean, what the, the first bowl is tomorrow. Correct. Friday, the mm-hmm. 17th. So, um, tomorrow. You know, I, you know, the coaches initially wanted the early signing period, and I don't think they got it when they wanted it. I, I, I think that if they want it, it should be because O'Leary actually made a good point. He said, you know. We kind of don't want to babysit these guys, right? It's like, do you, you want to come or not? You know, and if you do, let's have an early signing period. We'll lock you in. We'll get you all set up, and you'll be ready to go. You won't have to go through all this stuff. I don't think Georgia Vision
1: a two million dollar deal from Barstool to get okay, fine. Okay, okay, fine. Or ninety million from coaches. But,
0: but if that's the case, put the early signing period in August, and then you get it. And then you get it. You're never going to get it in August. You're never
1: going to get it in August. You're going to get it either in January. August is too early. Coaches want to see these kids as much as possible, up as up into the last minute. They don't want to commit to a kid uh in sign and paper and then they go down with an injury during their senior year it's just not they, that's you, they you
0: can go. you can negotiate your way around that and have some sort of a waiver in it I, I think you're
1: better off i think your
0: better chance will be january but we'll see but i do think it'll change it i think change. if you're going to change it to january then you may as well just move it back to national the old national signing i'm February. for He's it fine with me works for and me get rid of the early signing agreed all right uh stick around we get back talking hoops kyle Big conference win for UCF men's basketball last night. It was ugly in the first half, but uh, it wasn't so ugly in the second half, despite everybody fouling out uh, for UCF. We'll talk about that and uh, and the women's team continuing their role after this. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Jeff, Eric, and Kyle with you here. We're going to talk some hoops in UCF men's basketball. Uh, uh, well, hey, can't start your conference season off better than with a w now it was sort of a conference preview weekend for you because they're going to go back to out of conference play but th- this kind of reminded me of the old a sundays kyle nash where we would have like a conference weekend in december <laughs> and uh and we had but you know we have one game in the american of uh, you know prior to this uh which was again up in philly against temple And Hey, look, not an easy place to play. Never has been for UCF, but they go in there, they get the W 65 to 48, um, in a, in a physical, like grimy, you know, ugly game. It was 1918 temple at the end of the first half. That's how rough this thing was (laughs) starting out. But, um, but the second half uh, was uh, was a real defensive show for uh, for UCF. Ty Freeman, I thought, was really the, the star of the game. 14 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Um, you know, and, and uh, the the guy and the other guy who had a really interesting performance, I thought, was uh, was Brandon Mayhan because even though he didn't shoot well, five of 14, he finished with 18 points, hit all seven of his free throws, and he was plus 20 for the game. So he, th- that led UCF. So, um, your takeaways from this, cause this wasn't easy. Three guys fouled out and back young fouled out with 10 minutes to go in the game. And UCF yeah. still got the win. So, um, to me, this was like, this is, this was the defense establishing itself.
2: Well, not just the defense, Jeff, but I mean, remember what, 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 have, uh, what have we've been hearing from coach Dawkins and reading, um, from stuff I've written on black and Um, the, yeah. the- the, the whole concept of this team has been depth. They move around the starting line to fit the situation. Why? Because they have enough starter caliber guys with their depth. I saw something on Twitter saying that Freeman, oh, Freeman should start. Hey, he might one day because everybody's that good. They have depth. And and it, it, specifically the defense, I love that you mentioned that. If Bakke is fouling out that early in the game and there's still getting a dominant 17 point win after you what you called a rough start yeah what more proof do you need it's not like i need to col- need Columbo over here to get you more evidence sherlock stay home the mystery is solved folks God.
0: uh eric you you it, seeing how this team kind of pulled it together it was this was a really i i thought a really satisfying win because it wasn't pretty
1: well, right. first of all, like fire the entire officiating crew in that game. They're a debacle. <laughs> Good Lord. Save, make, Let these players play for number one.
0: Number two. Right, Eric Temple. getting the obligatory rag on the officials. Go Temple, ahead. Carry on. Second
1: of all, where are you Temple fans? This is a basketball school in Temple. Where are you? That building was empty, which created no atmosphere, which I actually think helped UCF because they got off to that slow start, but there was no atmosphere. You can't get any jo- vibe. I think that helped UCF
0: a lot listen UCF was six of 31 oh, in the first half yeah, the field, it was not pretty 19%. Second half 15 of 23
1: 65 well credit to Darius Johnson because remember Darius Perry was in foul trouble the whole night he was a non-factor Johnson yeah. got some heavy minutes at the point guard position obviously Dar- Darren Green has you know shown all year he could be a go-to guy offensively look this was a big win they needed this win Uh, Temple's going to, well, they're going to stink this year, quite frankly, because they're without their best player battle who's out for the year with a foot injury and he was going to be probably a first team all conference performer he averages 20 points a game. So that's a huge loss for Temple so they're going to struggle and UCF can't afford the American has had a struggle this pre conference. Uh, It's not been pretty. Uh, they're rated they're rated about go
0: look at what's going on at memphis to see how rough
1: right now memphis did beat alabama so maybe that could help turn around some things but the bottom but the bottom of the league has been atrocious so my point is there's not a lot of room for error in the conference uh slate so you can't afford to lose games like against the shorthanded temple team and it what makes this florida state game coming up big yeah it's very rare i'm not gonna say i'll never say there's a must win in december but this florida state game is pretty close because you don't have too many more opportunities to add to the resume in the non-conference. You've got Florida State and then Michigan coming up. I, you've got to at least split if you're UCF to add to the resume because once you get into conference play exclusively, there's not going to be as many opportunities to improve your resume in conference because the league is down this year.
2: Yeah, that's a great showy win for sure, Eric. And the thing I want to add in too, Jeff, you mentioned coming in uh, Brandon Mahan leading among starters with 18 points, starting to catch fire since that uh, bethune Cookman game at home. That tune-up game, you know, I, I'd hate to I hate I hate to keep dropping as I wrote for Banneret.com, but hey, I you want blog, them to come to the site, you know. Why um, we do
0: this podcast, it's okay, Kyle. <laughs> <one of them? laughs>
2: but um w- I had I had written there that those games, the the North Carolina ANT and the Bethune Cookman game were both very important to try to get confidence for Adams and Mahan back and for Mahan, it's working. And to get that going into Florida state is huge to get that showy win.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about this a little bit more because it's down at sunrise at the BB and T center, our old, uh, my old stomping grounds. Um, Florida state comes in. They, they struggled. Elo, they were, they lost three in a row at one point to produce Syracuse and South Carolina yeah. Uh, they're coming off a 37 point win, but it's against Lipscomb at home. Um, th- they needed overtime to, to get rid of Boston University. Uh, they lost to Florida by double digits. They beat Tulane, but by five at home. Um, to this, yes, this they kind to me. The Knowles are kind of a wounded duck right now. Yeah,
1: so, that's why this is a huge opportunity for UCF to jump in on it. This is not as good of a Florida State team as last year's Florida State team that UCF beat in Tallahassee where Mahan went wild. You know, this Florida State team is still trying to find themselves. Uh, they haven't gotten consistent play out of the point guard position. They have struggled to shoot from the perimeter at times this year. There's a, a, a familiar face that certainly uh, conference you Amer- American Conference fans know about, Caleb Mills, Leads the way, averaging 12 points a game. Leonard likes to play a deep roster. He, this is interesting. You got two teams that like to go with debt. And Florida State in particular. They're their size, they're still big, uh, but they don't have you know, they don't have that lottery pick guy. They don't have that, you know, Scotty Barnes type, they don't have a vassal type right now, anyway. I think Leonard and Florida State will figure it out as the season goes. You just hope it's not this Saturday in sunrise
0: um after that you got you got four days off in the north alabama next wednesday which should which is a nice little well should be you would think a nice tune-up for michigan on thursday the 30th so um opportunity here for ucf to come into that michigan game at at least you know with nine wins you know if if they get the win against florida state and north alabama you're nine and two heading into michigan um and I'm looking at this. Uh, it's never too early to look at the net rankings, is it, Kyle? Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> 44 for UCF, Florida State is uh, I just saw them a second ago. There they are, 78.
1: Yeah, they're slow.
0: So, starting. and for UCF, not a bad start, right? Well, I mean, not a bad not, start, but you're not going to
1: get too many great opp- opportunities. I mean, I'm curious if you look it up where the American teams are in comparison.
0: Uh, well, Houston, Uh, Houston's five. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) Um, and then UCF is the second. Yeah. AAC team it's at not been, 44, it, it, right. since he's at 46, right? Wes on.
1: Miller, Wes Miller is a sleeper coach. He's uh, done a good job taking over the Cincinnati <laughs> program there a little bit. But look, this Florida State game's big. I mean, the question is, do you feel you have a better shot of beating Florida State right now in Sunrise or Michigan at home in a couple of weeks? I actually think it's Florida State right now. Florida State still just doesn't know who they are. I think if you're UCF, you kind of know who you are. Uh, you beat them last year, so you should have the confidence. You're playing them at Sunrise. It's not going to be a packed building Uh, Florida state plays there every year, but they usually struggle there. So I want to see to Kyle's point earlier, the Brandon mayhem that's starting to play. Well, that's got to continue how they beat Florida state last year was mayhem went off. Isaiah Adams went off Mm. and Darren green went off. Leonard Hamilton, both of the, uh, the, the, look, if you like defense, these two, these two teams will play defense. That will not be an issue. Malik Osborne's a kid to follow, you know, that UCFs have to worry about for Florida state as well as Caleb Mills. I think it's going to be a tight game. UCF's got to execute better offensively. They cannot play uh, shoot like they did in the first half against Temple because you don't want to dig yourself a hole against Florida State.
0: Yeah, That's true. Kyle, last word with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned the Mahan piece. At the very least, I would think I, we want Brandon Mahan performing well enough to where he's at least drawing the attention. Because if he's out there, you know, kicking absolutely. him around like last time, that's going to be in the minds of the coaches. Let them draw to that, and then we'll pull some other cards out that are, oh, you're going to pay him attention? C.J. Walker dunk and Jean dunk, that kind of thing. And then when they start to spread out, we'll light Darius Johnson out there. Then Perry will do his thing, as he often does. That all starts with drawing that attention there. I mean, with with depth, you don't. You mentioned there's no lottery pick. If you got depth, you need team ball. You play European style, and you beat them that way. And the way you do that is by move, spreading an opponent out and letting him know not or rather not know where they're going to hit get hit it's that simple
0: i tell you the one guy i'm looking forward to in this game you mentioned him kyle cj walker this has cj walker breakout yeah hopefully the rest will party let, him all let him
1: play let him play because they're, they're both teams like the bang
0: inside yeah. all right i want to talk about the women's team here all right so they got a w over seton hall in south orange new jersey <laughs> uh at waltz gymnasium uh in uh on the road to start this uh you know well I, it wasn't to start of the road trip because they were at mercer and Macon. they got a double digit win there double digit win in the garden state and now saturday they go to iowa city to face iowa uh and a game that you can see on the big Ten network saturday at 7 30 but i want to talk oh no about...
1: no it's big 10 network plus
0: big 10 network plus excuse me you're un- right
1: unfortunately yeah. a by the way Shame on you, Big Ten. Like, seriously, Big Ten Network Plus, just sign with ESPN. Make our lives easier. Don't, you know, none of that nonsense, Big Ten Network Plus, with your student broadcaster nonsense. Continue.
0: But the, uh, you know, we were student broadcasters at one point. Yeah, but we were actually,
1: you know, what we were doing. Not These kids these days don't know what the heck they're doing anymore.
0: Yeah, well, they, they, they said the same thing about us. and look Anyway. Hey, um, day,
1: I knew what I was.
0: Sorry. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least All I right,
1: know not to so... call a team by
0: Golden Knights.
2: That double here's got a point.
0: Good point. Um, <laughs> but here's the story right now. Here's the story right now. Diamond Battles is going off. Yes. For it's right now for this season. 14.8 points, 4.1 rebounds. She's got 31 assists on the year, 22 steals. She's shooting, she's shooting. Get this 43, 39, 86 splits. So Wow, like what's going on here? Because this is this is this is approaching KK Wright levels, isn't it? It is, and it's
1: because Tani Ber is the development
0: right. of point guards. We've
1: seen it since they have arrived. Uh this is the latest development. Uh you mentioned KK Wright. They've had, you know, skate saunders before that. I mean, the list goes on and on. Sounds like a good feature there for Bryson down the road to work on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there you go. We're just we're just Dropping going that one to all fourth wall there.
0: Start assigning things to people. Always. Assigning people anyway. on here.
1: Uh, but, no, Diamond Battles. And she took over that fourth quarter in the Seton Hall. Because Hall made a run. It was a game. And, Kyle, this has been a theme. You and I have talked about this. You've written about this on blackagobannerit.com. You've seen it up close in the women. This team wins the fourth quarter. And Diamond is usually in the middle of it, taking the game over. They have a closure.
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's and it's not just. I mean, well, first of all, battles bat, <laughs> Diamond battles is usually doing her thing throughout the game. It just happens a lot in the fourth quarter as well. And you mentioned the fourth quarter performance, them being part of their identity. How about more often than not holding a team at some point to a single digit scoring quarter? Like I, I don't think, I don't think they've done that in the past two games, but it's a thing that happens it's a goal they have coach Abe herself has said two things that she tells her players that I think makes this team's identity try to get at least one quarter defensively where the opponent only does not make double digits and within the first five minutes of each half attack 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 at fouls 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 and free throws have definitely been an identity for coach Abe's team
0: uh we talked about how good this team was last year defensively you know and and remember how close they came to being one of the few teams in history to hold their opponents under 50 points a game mm-hmm. guess what they're doing it again and they're even better at it they're they're third in the country right now 45.9 points per game allowed that's that is suffocating suffocating defense but you know this game against Iowa is a big one though because they're right with Iowa right now in the in the early net rankings, I was at thirty. UCF is at thirty-three. South Florida, by the way, is at twenty-nine. Put a pin in that for later. But um, <laughs> it, 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 Iowa just lost to Iowa State, who's number fifteen in the country right now. Um, and uh, it, but th- this is this is a tremendous matchup on the road. This kind of has some like tournament preview potential, oh, too, I mean, doesn't it?
1: Oh, huge! Iowa was a Sweet Sixteen team last year. With Connecticut star player Paige Becker's out now, eight weeks with knee surgery, UCF's likely going to be playing the national player of the year on Saturday and Caitlin Clark, who could score from anywhere, anywhere in the in the building. And I think this will be the biggest challenge for UCF defensively that they have faced this season and maybe the last few in the Abe era. That's how good Caitlin Clark's going to play at the next level, if she stays healthy at the pros and an international level, Iowa likes to push it up. I sat and you're not, you're going to laugh, but I actually listened to a few minutes of the women's basketball head coaches' coaches' show that they have in Iowa. They take their basketball seriously up there. They have a coaches' show. And they talked about they want to speed up UCF. They want to make this a track meet. They don't want to get caught up in a half court game. And I think that's something to watch. Well, you can't watch because it's Big Ten Network Plus. You got to pay 10 bucks. Nonsense. Anyway, uh, but you can follow it on Stat Tracker for free. Uh, it's one of those deals where the tempo this game is going to be pivotal for UCF. And I'll be fascinated. Does Tay Sanders draw Kaitlin Clark? It might take a group effort. Of course, you play the zone against them. Uh, very interesting. Of course, as we know, this is a homecoming for Coach Abe, who played at Iowa for Vivian Stringer mm-hmm. from 88 to 90. She played for Andy Landers at Georgia, transferred to Iowa. She's from Iowa. It's a homecoming for her uh she in, in that state so that'll be significant if UCF were to pull off this upset I think they would finally finally for the first time in division one era crack the top 25 mm, that would be something
0: that would be something all right all right well that game is set for I lost the schedule where is it there it is Saturday seven thirty p.m we'll be following it on Twitter very tightly uh, because obviously not everyone can get Big Ten Network Plus. No. Uh, and then next Wednesday at Princeton uh, on ESPN Plus hey! uh, 5 p.m. Another trip back to the Garden State for UCF. It's going to be a fun one. They had to detour out to Iowa before they have to come back to New Jersey. Seton Hall, Princeton—that's that's my oh, what, that's my what just, old What you're,
1: you're 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 a Seton Hall guy, Jeffrey? What's the problem with the Seton Hall basketball coach? Kyle sent me the post game of the head coach. I forget his name <laughs> right now. The guy was like he was like a loose cannon on the post
0: game there. Like what? He had uh, he had a moment of weakness. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know.
2: In his fairness, he did explain his frustration. You mentioned how much how defensively they're holding uh, UCF's women are holding teams under fifty points. They scored fifty six and feels like he had a shot to win the game, but he forgot about diamond battles. It's okay. Okay,
1: but don't take Anthony, it that. Anthony
0: Buzz, Anthony Bazzella is his name, which is just totally a New Jersey basketball coach name. <laughs> and really, is. um, and he uh, and he was he he kind of went a little Denny Green. Yeah, go a g- bit, give a know? Cliff Notes version of describe his behavior basically he kind of he kind of lost his patience a little bit during the press conference and essentially said we we they are who we thought we were we they were and we let them off the hook
2: and listen shout shouts to my buddy bobby blackjack (laughs) of i-95 for 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 providing the clip but my dude i had told him you know hey if you can ask him what he thinks is unique (laughs) about ucf's uh team he did not get a chance to finish the question before tony there went nuts just saying (laughs)
0: uh gee, well hey. you know my hope is that my hope is that every time with all of these teams like especially Seton Hall is that keep on winning guys well that, they were picked third huge, they, they were picked
1: third winning. in the Big East so right uh, it's a quality win it's a good, good start for the road trip but now we're going to see how they match up with our this is a big Saturday for both men and women's basketball yes. men with Florida State at Iowa women this is a pretty 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 tasty Saturday of basketball mm. to follow
0: Mm, I love it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back. Bryson Turner is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about volleyball, baseball schedules out, and lots of other stuff on the grab bag. Don't worry about it. We're coming right back. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back, Jeff and Eric, with you. Bryson Turner joining us to, here too to talk about the little grab bag of what's going on around the around the world of uh, college uh, around the world of UCF sports and. You know, it's december so there's kind of not a whole lot going on but we did get a nice little drop of some news from ucf baseball their schedule is out Woo-hoo! uh the we we kind <clears> of <throat> we kind of like uh scooped it a little bit by snooping around this the, the the twitter accounts of some other schools but um some good home matchups here boys uh in particular Ole Miss, March 4th through 6th. Miami comes to town March 16th. South Florida opens the conference season April 1st through the 3rd. Um, East Carolina comes here April 14th through the 19th. It's uh, th- They've got
3: 12
0: games. This is from UCF's 3s 12 games against 2021 NCAA super regional teams. ECU, Ole Miss, South Florida. Um, so 33 games against teams in the top 100. Um, this is, it it, 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 listen, it's, it's not easy by the way. The, the schedule starts February 18th. That's Friday three for, with the first of three against Siena, some old friends coming down from that. Um, Bryson, you looked at the schedule This shapes out to be a pretty, pretty good schedule. You got a nice little ramp to some of the tougher games because you do, you go Siena, UNF, Georgia, Southern Stetson, and then Ole Miss, right? So, um thoughts on the schedule
3: yeah I think I, th- I would agree with you on that front it's a good way a good a good first part of the schedule to tee up Ole Miss it's certainly good to have them come to John Uliano Field this time especially considering what happened last uh, when, last time when uh, UCF went and faced them on the road um and then what I'm really excited when for- they
0: were number one in the country that was back then that was that was a big moment for UCF hey, go ahead I'm sorry
3: no, not a problem. Uh, I will say that I what I'm what I'm looking forward to is this conf is this conference schedule coming up at the end because Eric and I have talked uh, t- talked about this la- last season and the American in baseball is just really fun to break down and so for one I am really excited to see these six games that rematch the confer- the American Athletic Conference championship game. From last season, from last season, because that was a great game, uh, even though we lost, which sucks. And USF, I took a look at around the American rosters and USF is returning people like one of their best hitters, Carmine Lane, two of their pitchers from that series, Jack DeSyke and Brad Lord. Uh, basically, USF is still a, per, a still, I think, a pretty formidable opponent. And so to see the, to see us going against them six times, I actually think I'm looking. I believe they're the only conference foe that we play. Yeah, that's by eight, that's by design, In, or they, well, they, play they, two series against at least. Yeah, that's yeah. by design.
1: They'll play them six times. This ain't daily stampede, by the way. So that's enough talk about them. Uh, I think yeah. it's by the way, it's important. So, yeah, I, think, yeah, I, think, I know. It's just point. It's
3: just the point, it's just yeah. the point
1: that. Yeah, we don't need to talk about them anymore. Um, look, I think this is important scheduling when you consider that the starting rotation will likely have two new faces, possibly. Right. So you you know, and I so I don't I think Greg's done a nice job here of easing in a rotation. Unlike last year, we opened up with FAU and it was, oh, it was just a you know chaos. Uh, with a young staff, I think that's important. To your point there. Uh, to build it up now you didn't mention the fact they got to go to florida state as well during the midweek for a couple games during the season as well so there's challenges there the being having a strength of the conference helps gives you that leeway of not you know over scheduling in the non-conference that being said Ole miss coming here is significant uh that'll be fun that'll be packed they go to georgia southern which i'm blown away by the facilities at georgia southern
0: by the way beautiful They're, park to have up there in wow. Stateboro. can we take notes on
1: that anyway um That was very good. So I think, though, the schedule's good because it's going to ease in this young rotation. Again, you could have two new starters. Me and Bryce have talked about this in the past. That's, I think, part of the the strategy here for uh, Coach Lovelady.
3: Also, I will say April is going to be a really key month for this team. I mean, when you think about it, you play with you, you start with USF, and then later in the month, you have have a three-game series at home with East Carolina you have a little break in, in the midweek with Jacksonville and then go take on Wichita and Wichita on the road to take on Wichita state. Honestly, if I would have to say the two biggest threats uh, or the three biggest threats for UCF in conference, Wichita state, USF, and of course, ECU because of because it's ECU.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that's fair. East Carolina is the standard in the league. The job that Cliff Godwin has done. He is, they're the team. They're the team to beat until proven otherwise. I mean, he's done a heck of a job there. So ECU, but UCF's played pretty well. They split with ECU last season as well. Uh, You know, South Florida, we'll see if they can kind of carry that momentum they got in the postseason into the regular season. Uh, Wichita State's kind of a weird team. Eric Wedge, the head coach there. We'll see how they do. And then a program like Houston, which hit rock bottom last year, can they bounce back? I think those are some of the storylines in the American uh, conference. But again, it starts in the non-conference. And we'll see how this team looks. And I think they got to build that pitching staff, that confidence uh, with that staff. And I think the schedule starting with Siena, will start get to see some answers.
0: little side note that we got from our old buddy, uh, Brian Murphy here. Did you see this Ooh. one? Uh, UCF could face as many as six top 100 MLB draft prospects this season. Um, according, based on MLB.com's list. Carson Wisenhunt from East Carolina. Five of them are pitchers. Carson Wisenhunt, East Carolina. Parker Messick, Florida State. Bryce Hubbard, Florida State. Carson Palmquist of Miami. Derek Diamond of Ole Miss. Those are the pitchers. And then one position player, Ole Miss catcher, Hayden Dunhurst. Uh, so some talent coming in on these opponents, too. So that's Mur- That
1: Murphy lucky. guy, he's got a future in covering baseball if he wants to. He's pretty to good at it,
0: thing. from what I hear. Uh, we got some volleyball news because we're not going to let you get out of here without getting that. McKenna Melville, third team All American. Uh, she was. Uh, it, it, the first player uh, in UCF history to be named better than all better than honorable mention. She's been honorable mention all three years prior to this year. This year, she made the third team all American. She's also the first multi-time all American for UCF since Delena Sarden was honorable mention three years running in 2012, 2013, and 2014. Um, but McKenna is, you know, 19 double doubles this year. She's, um, closing in on the all-time leader uh, on the all-time leader in kills. Um, She's going to be coming back next year, along with Amber Olson. She'll have a shot next year at possibly being as high as top 10 all time in volleyball history in kills Bryson well-deserved, just like we expected.
3: Oh, yes, I, I agree, and uh, I also found out that she was also named to the first team academic All-American, so well yep. done for McKenna right there. I know team, uh, you know, Terry Mahajra always talks about the academic side with, and how he really values that and to see McKenna do that, that's also really good, but only the fourth I, uh, UCF
0: student athlete to earn multiple academic All-American accolades, by the way, so, but it, so that's, so what are what right, the other is? ones? That's a good question. I got to go back and look. I don't
3: know. Yeah, I know. That's something I have to double I check. I think McKenzie Hottis might Jenny, have been one Jenny of them. Jenny
0: Heppert did it in 2008 oh, okay. um, for UCF Volleyball, but I don't know. Really I know Mackenzie Hottis did, did
1: that in 2015. And well, so she's that's got to be
0: one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We're so so that's, that's
0: one. We'll figure it out. Anyway, go ahead, Bryson. I'm sorry.
3: But I mean, I think it. I, I, basically, I say that because I mean, Ta- Dagenet has said it before. But uh, said it before. But McKenna Melville might 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 be one of the greatest players to come through this program because now uh, because now she has eclipsed Delena Sardon because Sardon was named all uh, you know honorable mention for all of, for all America for three years. McKenna Melville went and did that, and now she's on the third team all all, all American. So that, that means that that she now has four years where she was named to an All-American something that is now the most in UC, in, in UCF history. And she's still coming back. Right. she still she's mean, got one more year. She, she's, still, um, she's going in that master's program to get her teacher certificate. And it's I, I am I'm I, let's just say that I am so, I cannot wait for fall to come back so we can see this. You know, we're going to be on McKenna watch for that kills record. Once that, once it comes around, will be good. I, right. But I think it just, it really just shows how I think key, key McKenna is to this, to this team, but also like we've mentioned before, we want, we definitely want to make, you know, as McKenna starts to get, you know, starts to the legend of McKenna grows more and more, you're going to have teams that are going to scheme against her. And so we, I hope Dajanae and Maurer and company want to make sure that they have a team that can step up to the plate when teams start to scheme against McKenna, and it and 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 it has a chance of working because McKenna could just overcome that anyway.
0: Well, that's that's the plan, right? And that's why you surround a player with talent. I mean, you know, we learned that in that last match against UCLA. By the way, Mac May, UCLA, who was the star of UCLA's match, they, they were, um, you know, she was first team All American. So you want to talk about talent on the floor in that match? You know, we saw it at Pauly Pavilion.
3: And UCLA's Zoe Fleck was third team All American with McKenna, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Melville, by the way, who's a
0: is a finance
3: major. <laughs> and she's yeah. so she
0: did this as a finance major. And now she's going back to get it to to get her master's in education. I, wow. Like unbelievable. So people have asked McKenna, this, congratulations.
1: people have asked this about do you think third team was fair? I, I probably thought second team, uh but And I don't know how the volleyball works. I'm not going to pretend that I'm Karch Karai and know every single player that made first and second team. I did notice a lot of Pac-12, a lot of uh, Big Ten players, and a lot of players that played within the second week of the season in the Sweet 16. I don't know if that influenced some of the voting, uh, but – from McKenna's standpoint, here's the thing. In five, ten years from now, they're not going to, you know, when she gets inducted into the UCF Hall of Fame in ten years, they're not going to say, oh, she was a
0: third-team All-American. They're just going to say she was an All-American. Right, right. So, yeah. All right, uh, real quick as we wrap it up here. Um, big weekend for UCF football in the NFL. We started the first touchdown on Sunday was scored by Mike Hughes against the Raiders on a fumble recovery on the first play of the game. Brought it back for a, a, a scoop and score. The last touchdown of the afternoon session on Sunday was scored by Brashad Perriman, who caught the first time he had been targeted all year, caught a pass from Tom Brady, ran 50 some yards for a touchdown in overtime to win the game, win that fantastic football game, by the way, between Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Um, Gabe Davis scored a touchdown, actually, scored the a, a, a key touchdown late to pull Tampa Bay or pull Buffalo within uh, within a score in the last five minutes of the game. Uh, so, Hey, big day, big day for UCF for UCF and the pros, not to mention the fact that, uh, and we, and I forgot all about this, Brandon Alexander with the Winnipeg, Winnipeg blue bombers won the gray cup on Sunday. And uh, so, you know, between him, John, John Lincoln, Johnson and, it, 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 sean johnson for mls uh winning the mls cup by the way we we need to talk to the mvp sean. in that game mvp of the mls cup all right um you know i i actually dug up my old video feature he was the mvp it came down to pks and he saved two of them uh and it would have won it in in a uh, regulation were it not for a bogus non-foul call on, on Portland on what ended up being the, the late tying goal, but um, what a job by Sean, you know, he made some key plays uh, or some key saves in that game and then saved two of them in overtime. He was the MVP of the MLS have congratulations to former UCF men's soccer goalkeeper, Sean Johnson. First UCF um, player to play in the MLS cup. Right now Romario the- Williams was on Atlanta United right. when they won a few years ago, but he wasn't active for the game. So uh, he didn't actually dress for the game, even though he won a ring with Atlanta United, but Sean was on the field, played the whole 120 minutes plus PKs and was the MVP. And wow. Congratulations to him. Um, and, and you know, it, it, it just a big all around weekend for the alumni, right, Eric? It's big. I mean, first of all, it's nice to
1: see a team from New York in the Bronx actually win a championship for a chance. Oh, remember hadn't. the Guto! Oh,
3: unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe the Yankees should sign Sean Johnson. That could help their cause. I mean. Anyway, um, the MLS seems to be a the MLS oh. seems to be a league where some curses are broken. First Atlanta United, which Atlanta hadn't won a championship in any. Yeah, season. they're the so,
1: real you know, reason now. Atlanta the Braves. And, then, won. and
3: why? Yeah. But um, look, Sean Johnson. You mentioned obviously
1: we mentioned the accolades there. It's kind of ironic because the greatest goalkeeper, the greatest UCF men's soccer player, Winston Debose, won an NASL championship, which was like the precursor to the MLS in 83. So that was used. Brashad Perriman, you mentioned the touchdown. That was significant for the Buccaneers. You know, they've obviously Antonio Brown, you know, is Antonio Brown. He's suspended. Shocker. So he, Perriman has an opportunity here, especially if Brown doesn't return to help try to contribute to the Buccaneers getting back to the Super Bowl. Uh, And it's always good to, you know, and by the way, UCF receivers, they know when the big moments and catch milestones. Remember, Traquan Smith caught Drew Brees' milestone touchdown, yep. uh, a record-breaking uh, play. And here, Rashad Perriman catches Tom Brady's 700th touchdown. I mean, these guys, they got a knack for that. Uh, that's pretty good. By the way, we also dominate the Great Cup. I feel like we always have a UCF Brandon Alexander, man.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we had uh, uh, Terrence Plummer's won the Great Cup before, yeah. and happy for B.A. Like, you know, he he's, uh, he's had it. He, Brandon has put together a, a very successful career, uh, and and that's one of those things where you know, Eric, you like to get on my case all all the time about this. I love the fact that you know we ha- we have these other leagues because it provides opportunities for guys, and we got the they're the restarting NFL the USFL.
3: Coming. The USFL is coming. And there's tryouts, tryouts going to this. It's yeah, it's yeah, more yeah,
0: opportunities okay. for for UCF. More guys opportunities to, for to football better.
3: leagues to fail. Yeah. All right. Hey, this uh, listen.
0: The CFL has been around longer than the NFL. You know what's wild about that? I saw the the
1: numbers. You know what he drew in Canada? The Grey Cup. Hmm. Eight hundred thousand people. Think about that. Eight hundred thousand people watch the Grey Cup. Think about how many people watch football in the states. Yeah but, the yeah but it's it's just isn't crazy. the
0: population of canada like nine hundred thousand? no so no it's like you know <laughs> i think they care more about
1: the puck over there but uh it's kind of wild man it's just it's kind of funny to see other like tv number numbers like that that uh drop but hey man good for brandon to make the, the to, to take care
0: of business yeah. there. happy for uh, the ba yeah and yeah, he's oh. and uh I also uh,
3: don't want to under, under understate because he's been, he's been going at it for so long, but Matt Prater connected for connected on three field goals in Monday night football with, for the Arizona Cardinals from 53 yards twice and, and four and another one from 49 yards against the ramp. The Cardinals did go on to lose that game, but Matt Prater just continues to just nail it from long distance. I well, mean,
0: he, he, re, he continues to extend his lead at, even though he lost the, longest field goal ever record to Justin Tucker earlier this year. Prater's longevity continues to, uh, it it, it, it just continues because he is the NFL's all time leader in field goals of 50 yards or more. So he continues to extend that lead. And then last thing that we wanted to wrap up here, Eric Lopez, I know you're really excited about this. Parker Boudreaux is making his debut finally in NXT. His his character, Harlan, who is kind of a little on the scary side,
1: I think they're going for, right? That's, that's the goal there. It's kind of a it, combo of a
3: Undertaker Brock Lesnar combo there, which is kind of unique there. Interesting. I was thinking more Terminator, meet, Terminator meets Ivan Drago.
0: In, interesting gimmick, I would yeah, say. Are, his, you're excited for this. Well, it's
1: a big moment for him. He had his first wrestling match Tuesday night. It's uh, NXT 2.0 USA Network. They aired it on Tuesday night. He had his first match. He crushed
3: the opponent. Um, and you really, uh, when you Guru think Ra- of about- Guru Raj was his name, by the way, uh, who opponent Guru Raj, that was his yeah, name. whatever.
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, anyways, uh, he, he did his job. Janet with Potter. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you look at NXT, you know, the NXT that WWE has kind of recently changed NXT. They are, they've changed their philosophy a little bit where it's developmental. It's always been developmental to some extent, but now they really want guys that have a big presence, big size. And Parker fits that. And so does Cal Bloom, who's actually becoming one of their stars on the show, is called Von Wagner. Uh, He just beat Kyle O'Reilly in a big steel cage match last week. Uh, Don't be surprised if one of these guys or both of these guys are on the main roster in WWE by 2022, uh, because that's what the WWE is looking for. But two UCF guys now prominent, In that nxt brand and could be in the wwe future here in 2022 be a big impact player uh they're obviously working out their kinks i think in in cal bloom's case i think he's he's got to work on his mic skills a little bit better but his ring stuff is good his dad by the way works at nxt yeah that has to help Dad's a legend right i mean yeah he's he's a former wrestler and he's kind of helping as an agent basically behind the scenes stuff and then for Parker, man, because you don't know what Parker knows as far as right now, he's been used more as a as a muscle guy. He doesn't have he hasn't spoken a word yet. So they, they're kind of keeping him mysterious. Uh he does have I his I was own gonna say match. that's
0: kind of the that's kind of the plan, right? Right,
1: right. And they have his kind of quote unquote manager, uh, if you will. It's not really a manager, but it's kind of playing a manager role. So but he had his first match. I think he's still be he's behind Cal Bloom. If you ask me who's ahead, cal blooms ahead so i think cal has the upper hand as far as likely making it to the roster before uh parker does but hey man say what you will whether you like it or don't like it these are two guys that are they're moving up
0: and and having some success here in this in the, in the wrestling industry which is not easy yeah well i mean it's it's not like we're invested in it because you know we watch them play here right and and yeah. i think it's fun to see you know if you can't make a successful, if, if you way, can't find a career in football, hey, this is, this is fun to watch. And the performance centers right here in Orlando performance center in Orlando. You know,
1: and so, then AEW, the competitor to WWE just announced they're going to have their big pay per view in March at additional financial arena.
0: Yeah, March, that's right. Well, they, just had, they just had a, a show. Here they had a
1: dynamite TV. show there uh, yeah. recently as well. So they're going to have a, a pay per view, part of their big weekend. They're going to
0: have fan fest and they're going to
1: have their TV show. So,
0: You see it up in wrestling. It's good to see. It's good to see the Khan family having some success in some of the things that they're doing. No, there's definitely not in football. So (laughs) sorry. I, 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 that was, that was my attempt at an Eric Lopez style joke. I don't know. Very well. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up here. We wanted to thank you for listening. This is a pretty quick one, but I'm glad we were able to get this one in for you. Uh, Make sure you follow us at, uh, UCF banner at underscore S B N UCF banner at underscore S B N is our current, hopefully, hopefully relatively temporary Twitter account for right now. But, um, How goes it on
3: that front by the way? Yep yeah, it's, it, it's, you know,
0: listen, you got to follow us there because our, 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 our following didn't follow us from for some reason when they Scott, we're only, we only got 220 followers on the new account, which is driving me absolutely crazy. So please UCF fans follow us on this account. Um, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. You can follow Bryson at it's Bryson Turner. Um, you can also follow Kyle at the S O T G for the student of the game. The S O T G. And don't forget, we didn't have Drew on the show today, but follow uh Andrew Glukov at Stat Boy Drew on Twitter as well. So we got a, a big weekend. You got, the got a commission play. just
1: like the half is
0: Cleveland Browns roster yep. right now. And in hmm. addition, next week's show, all right. We're going to be previewing the bowl game. Uh, so it's going to be, a, a, oh. it's going to be huge. It's going to be a lot of fun with Florida coming in. Um, Last game that, in the
3: Florida Gator for Emery Jones.
0: Yep. And we, assume, well, we assume that he's going to be playing. <laughs> you never know. But uh, this will be uh, it, the most anticipated bowl game for UCF in uh it, probably since the fiesta bowl right eric i would say yeah oh
1: yeah definitely since the lsu bowl game yeah i mean yeah. it's gonna be packed i think there's gonna be a huge it's gonna be a sold out. out yeah so sold out 65 i we'll have 000. a lot of coverage we'll have a lot of coverage leading up to that game we'll have some live shows drew and uh, kyle i think are gonna do some live shows leading up to that game and uh, we'll, we'll have a ton of coverage for
0: them. all right we'll be all on top of it for you so for all of us here at black and gold Banneret, uh for eric and Bryson and Drew and, uh, and Noah <laughs> and Noah, and Derek uh, and Kyle. I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Bannerhead Podcast. Enjoy your weekend, and we will
3: catch you next week.